This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at Houts, H O U T Z. And I am joined by the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Follow him on Twitter at J M E N D E L 94. We have lots to talk about, folks. The three day Miami Dolphins mini camp is officially over. But before we get into all that, Jake, how's it going today, man? Josh, I'm good. I'm good. And you know what? I'm excited to be doing a podcast, and I'm even more excited to not have one of our segments be called Why Ben Simmons and Tua Tungvaloa are the same person. So at least we got that going for us, right? Yeah, and at least we're not paying people, what, $30 <laughs> a year to, to view that content. But um, you're doing good, Jake, because I think you kind of uh, did the perfect segue into what we want to talk about first. Yeah, and it, it's kind of... We, we've mentioned it, and it's probably the last thing people who create content want to do, and that's say there's not a lot going on. There, there's not a lot happening. Uh, the entire NFL basically is out for summer. It's it's like school's out for them. Uh, so Josh kind of mentioned it. We have the three-day mini camp, so we're going to go into that. Um, I have my uh, metaphorical carrot on the stick and our other 10 headlines we're going to do before training camp. I think we're going to have that on Thursday. Uh, so Josh, we're, we're finding ways. There's an entire 53-man roster. There's a 90-man roster that's going to be cut down to that 53. Uh, I think it's August 26th off the top of my head, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, there's Xavier Howard drama. Who's going to float among the wide receivers? But instead, it's just kind of... Uh, you, you shocked me a little bit by sending me a screenshot of a story that said um, that what we should be talking about right now is you being a Philly guy, so I'm kind of disappointed that you haven't been talking about this, is the fact that Ben Simmons, a uh, 24-year-old point guard who can't shoot, uh, is basically the Miami Dolphins quarterback who's played in nine games this season. You're right. There's a lot to talk about, but it just seems like all the beat writers want to do is just kind of bury Tua Tungvaloa any chance they can get. And, in I mean, such a all... weird way, too. Yeah, I feel... <laughs> It really is, and, I, and you don't know what it is. You don't know, again, if it's because the fan base put him on a pedestal. I don't know, but wh- whatever it is, after Ben Simmons, you know, had this dreadful, what, Game 7 performance, I think he, what, didn't make a single basket in any of the fourth quarters of those seven-game series. 
They then went out of their way and compared Tua Tungavailoa to Ben Simmons and said the Dolphins, you know, should cut bait before ever giving him, what, a $30 million a year contract <laughs> and watching him go out there and stumble around. So, I mean, I, I guess to an extent I can see where he's Dave coming. He's contract for two more years. Like, right. it, we're, yeah. we're putting the and, carriage so far in after, front of the horse. And it was after a 6-3 and three season, you know, when he, st- when he played nine games. I mean, when have we seen a Dolphins rookie since Marino come out here and do the type of things that, you know, we saw from Tua? I mean, Tannehill would have been a prime example. That would have been the perfect article to write, you know. Why shouldn't the Dolphins give Tua Tagovailoa seven years? I can get behind that, but to compare him to Ben Simmons, a guy that again, you know, crumbled under pressure when there are stats out there to say that Tua played some of his best football in the fourth quarter, that was crazy to me. And I think the best way to I could sum that up was just um, hitting record on my phone like the old man. I had to look up how to do that and just recording uh, me blocking him because, in no offense, I mean, love and respect Dave Hyde, followed him for years, but I mean, uh, we get the same kind of content from everyone else, so uh, I had to go out of my way to do that and. I think that was pretty much the end of my rant on this whole saga. I want to let, let's stop for a second because I think you brought up an interesting point. We're not going to do this for too too long because, as much as we love to talk about the quarterback here, that's not the only thing we talk about. But why hasn't anyone done the Ryan Tannehill versus Tua year one? I think Tannehill was twelve touchdowns to thirteen interceptions. Uh, his receiving core was arguably just as bad and. We could get into a hefty debate, and no offense to Miles Gaskin, that Reggie Bush was probably a better running back. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my flag in the ground on that one because I'm a Reggie Bush truther for life. Uh, but why are people doing that? I think that'd be a really good comparison when you're talking about the uh, uh, wide receivers both teams had, uh, new offensive coordinators going into year two. Uh, but hey, you know Ben Simmons talk. So one of the things we have been talking about, though, Josh, is who's going to rise among the uh, wide receivers for the Miami Dolphins. But one thing we learned in the OTAs is it's actually the other side of the ball that has some guys who are, are really fighting for roster spots. You know, it's the cornerbacks. It's the secondary. We think about what the Miami Dolphins are doing back there uh, with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. If, you know, he plays, that's kind of where all these uh, opportunities are opening up from Howard not playing. But then you think about Nick Needham behind him in the slot. Then you have Noah Ibnagini, who they're working at both. You have Justin Coleman that we've you know talked about till we're blue in the face that we think he could be an under-the-radar free agent signing. Uh, but ESPN did a surprise player we should know about each team. And Cameron Wolf, go check him out. Read all his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, one of the best at covering the team. He said that quarterback True Williams was the guy that impressed him the most, a very underrated guy. And that that's interesting when you think about all the different players the Dolphins have been working with, you know, you'd hope a Jalen Phillips, one of these rookies that they drafted ended up being the guy, but instead it was an undrafted uh, guy out of Syracuse who's picking off uh, Miami Dolphins quarterback to a tongue below. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a wild story. I mean, if you look up, you know, how they got Trill Williams, he signed with the New Orleans Saints. I think he failed a physical, you know, he was released. The Dolphins scooped him up right away. And you're hearing, you know, some rave reviews. Yes, again, mini camps very early on. You can't sit here and, you know, put too much stock into this. But you're right, with an Xavier Howard sitting out, you know, with Trill Williams maybe getting some opportunities to go against some of these better receivers, you know, I mean – the competition at Syracuse is probably fine, but he's never gone up against, you know, a Parker yeah. or this type of stuff. So to hear these going out there and ball out, that's awesome. I actually pulled up a quote from Charles Burks, the Dolphins uh, defensive coach um, on Trill Williams. It says, what he brings on tape is he's a run and hit guy. He's very physical on his tape. He played some corner, played some safety. In our system, we like guys that can be multiple. So, again, this guy can do a little bit of everything, and um, he, he should not here. be – yeah, you see, you do see a trend here. Versatility, and um, it's a great point that you bring up, Jake. Who is going to step up if they do, you know, do a hypothetical Xavier Howard trade or he continues to sit out? I mean, that is just as big of a story as the Xavier Howard news. And then we saw Noah Igwenagini making a couple plays, too. Um, it's just going to be one of those situations where we're not going to learn a lot 
uh, from, you know, these OTAs and training camp. But as Josh and I have both said, one of the biggest reasons we got into this stuff was this time of the year. Um, to boil it really down to the core is it's because we can't look at our phones and see that the Dolphins just lost, you know, 20 to, or, you know, let's say 35 to six, something like that. Hope is eternal. Uh, everybody has a chance to win the Super Bowl right now. Uh, but in terms of this cornerback fight, it might not even be about who's making the plays, but who's getting those starter reps, right? Who the Dolphins think, or who the Dolphins want to take that cornerback job if Xavier Howard isn't there. We'll get more into the Howard stuff after this. Uh, but then it also happened to be that the Miami Herald did three players we should know about. Actually, it's not three players. It's three paragraphs worth of players, excuse me. Uh, and it started with Hunter Long. And Josh, I think it's funny because uh, if Hunter Long is a guy we're going to be talking about. I mean, he's got to be Travis Kelsey. There's no way around it because other than that, he's not overcoming what Mike Kosicki can do. You're, you're right. And am I allowed to say the nickname I have in mind for him? Because it was like immediate as soon as he was drafted. I mean, is Hunter Long not the perfect name for, for this tight end? So I'll probably censor that out just to be safe. But, you know, it's interesting to see what a guy like he can do and just want to know if this Dolphins offense is going to come out here. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of those two tight end sets that we saw up there in New England, see these two, you know, monsters go out there and be past presence. But, uh, Jake, you're absolutely right. If he's not Travis Kelsey, he better be George Kittle or Darren Waller, one of those guys, because I kind of think when they drafted Hunter Long, you know, that was kind of putting a time stamp on Mike Jasicki's time here in Miami. And it's worth noting, too, that Gasicki was wearing that red non-contact jersey. Uh, so so it might have just been he's gotten more opportunities. Barry Jackson added um, Noah Ibanagani stood out. And, and wide receiver Robert Foster actually made a couple of nice catches, I believe. And, and that's a guy that I think we need to talk more about when we're cutting up Miami Dolphins, uh, uh, the Miami Dolphins and the receiving core. Because there are a couple guys they signed this year that we're instantly thinking are going to make the team. And that includes re-signing Mac Collins. And that includes Robert Foster, who, you know, something that I think shocked both of us is that he was signed on this, like the second or third day of free agency. This was, this guy was a top Miami's list. Uh, he can do some special teams, but um, I think we've been kind of keeping him on the back burner and he might just stay there. But I think he's going to be one of those five or six, maybe right there at the bottom receivers who makes this team that we might, uh, not really look at for next month, month and a half or so. Yeah, he's definitely flying under the radar. And you mentioned, I mean, we were all sitting there waiting for the Dolphins to make that big wide receiver signing. I think Robert Foster was that the big one that came out there. And, you know, <laughs> you just want to know if he's going to fill, you know, that void that maybe a Matt Collins, if you get rid of him on special teams that, you know, maybe that's why they brought in a guy like Foster. But the other name and one that we just continue to hear all offseason long and, and Jake, I don't know how you feel about it, but he's rocking the Jay Fiedler number nine. And I just really want to make a Photoshop of just putting him his head on Jay Fiedler's body because I think it'd be hilarious. But I mean, Noe Benogany is rocking those shades. You know, he said he grew up, you know, he's ready to, to be that big time, you know, corner that the Dolphins thought he was when he was drafted. So, um, again, it's mini camps, temper expectations, but those are the names that you're hearing around. And it's not just from one beat writer or another. You know, these are the names that most of the onlookers there in Davie, Florida are seeing. And, you know, maybe we should start taking a closer look at as training camp nears. Uh, Barry Jackson that is, is his other guys, Miles. Gaskin looked pretty good. He's had some strong quotes throughout this year. He's really RB1. seemed to develop the leader uh, in his third year as well. Uh, uh, different teammates are raving about Will Fuller. Uh, receiver Jalen Waddle had a 50-yard touchdown catch doing what we kind of wanted out of someone like Jalen Waddle. And Albert Wilson is finally feeling better after his hip injury in 2018. He had some quotes about this is the best he's ever felt. He's been working with Tua a little bit. And you kind of see the two directions Miami Dolphins and the receivers are starting to go, where you have the Will Fuller, the Jalen Waddle, and the Albert Wilson, who 
they kind of all bring the same things to the table, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But then you go to the other side of it, you got the Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and Mike Isecki, who have a different skill set but can still really operate in a lot of different ways. And speaking of what Jalen Waddle can bring to this team and just those speed guys, those three guys I mentioned, the Miami Dolphins really didn't have last year. So I think these are the type of guys that are really going to help Tua be successful. And Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com felt the same way about Waddle. Josh, you kind of want to walk me through about what she had to say? Yeah, man. So the quote here basically says, not only will Waddle help Tua Tonavaloa when the second-year senior caller targets his former college teammate, but the speedy playmaker will also generally command a lot of attention, which will help the whole offense have more space to work with and inherently drive up the unit's potential to be extremely efficient. So I'm not going to read through all of this because Cynthia Freeland's much smarter than me, and that that alone, you know, sounded like some kind of Harvard scholar. But, um, you know, we heard this stuff at camp, Jake. You know, we heard the big play from Jalen Waddle, which kind of contradicted, you know, some of the reports earlier in the week. You know, I don't know if you saw but some of the beat writers, and I think Omar, Omar Kelly was one of them, but uh, they said that Jalen Waddle, you know, had a noticeable limp when he walked. And I think Brian Flores was asked Just about like that. Did. Yeah, maybe on day two or day three of camp. And he's like, yeah, I you see him out there playing. I, I don't know what that limp is. So maybe that's just the way Jalen Waddle walks, Jake. But the, the point that With you're making waddle. here is that, yeah, waddle, waddle, waddle. But, um, you know, th- it's just speed. And you kind of, I hate to go back to the whole Madden and just using that. Speed kills in the NFL. And, and these guys all kind of have a different, level of speed and to just think about what that offense might look like when they're all on the field gets me excited and it was very humble of you or modest of you not to talk about how well that Albert Wilson article did because I went on Reddit earlier today and that thing blew up dude so um, everyone was hyped on Albert Wilson Wilson gang gang and I think we talked about earlier that would be um, I, I would really hate to see Albert Wilson not play for the Miami Dolphins this season so I want to start with a shout out to Juice before you who left us a review on the podcast recently on iTunes um if you guys like what you're listening to, we're going to yell this stuff at the end of the show too, but hit that subscribe button. These reviews, uh, we love them. We enjoy them. So so thank you guys. Uh, Juice, before you said, keep doing your thing. Always looking forward to listening to the podcast. Uh, just I love these guys. So, so thank you, man. I appreciate that. But the reason I bring that up is because we had a guy a little while ago that said, I really love House. But then Jake goes and says something stupid and it kind of makes everything uh, uh, <laughs> fall apart a little bit. So Josh, I, I want to ask you for permission to say something that could be perceived as a little stupid. I mean, I made an entire brand. I mean, I, I'm pretty <laughs> stupid, Jake. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> so, like Freeland said in our article, is that last season, 30% of Miami's targets uh, to wide receivers were thrown into tight windows, right? That's kind of the big thing we've been talking about in terms of what the Dolphins need to do differently this year is create separation. Now, I don't know where this came from, but maybe we're thinking about how the Dolphins are going to create separation in the wrong way. And this is going to sound like my Chan Gailey truther, but when we think about Miami's receivers last year, we needed them to have that breakaway speed, right? We needed them to be able to create separation, right? Maybe by that and by design, Tua is capable of throwing into tight windows, right? That's kind of why he went as high as he did in the NFL draft is his accuracy his ability to pick apart defense by fling it into those tough windows so what i think what the miami dolphins are doing with guys like will fuller with guys like Jalen waddle it's not only guys who are going to create separation before the catch and open up these big windows that tua doesn't necessarily need it's guys who are going to make a guy miss after the catch right it's when you're that close to a cornerback like it's implied here that the tight windows 30 percent of the time that the receiver is going to catch the ball, make that one guy miss, and whether it's a zone or a one-on-one man coverage on the outside, they can make the play from there because Tua got into that one 
uh, tight window. You isolate the wide receiver and that cornerback, and you have the wide receiver do the job of breaking away after the catch. So I thought that 30% uh, in terms of that tight window uh, coverage, quote-unquote, is interesting, and I think we've always looked at it in the sense of before the catch, but I think that tight window or the way the Dolphins are throwing the ball, like we saw, we just saw Tua throw five interceptions. That's because I think that's how they're going to succeed, with Tua being aggressive in those tight windows um, and really just dicing up defenses. I mean, we saw Tom Brady doing it to uh, Jimmy Wilson for years, right? It's that no matter what a defense tries to do, they can't hide that one weakness in the passing game. And it's going to be at times where you have to throw into those tight windows, but you throw, you make that completion. Will Fuller makes one guy miss, and it's a touchdown. So that's kind of my wacky rant here, but that's where I kind of think the Dolphins might be heading where that tight window um, percentage wasn't necessarily by mistake or lack of talent. Yeah, Jake, I mean, that's a great point. You know, maybe if next-gen stats or something came out with some, you know, hair percentage number of how, you know, much separation or yards after the catch the Dolphins receivers got, maybe we put more focus on that. But, you know, we continue to talk about Tua Tungvaloa, and, you know, a lot of people look back at Alabama and all those playmakers he had. You just mentioned it. What was the one consistent thing? I mean, they were throwing, you know, quick slants and screens and, and just different things, and those guys were making plays. I mean, you can sit here and praise the talent around him at, in college, but, you know, when he went to the pros, he didn't have those same type of playmakers. He didn't have those experiences explosive players and I think to your point you know they are ha- they're going to get them this year you mentioned the Cynthia Freeland article I think it says right here she has 11.5 catch per reception he's just phenomenal in top five in yards per route run in 2012 so I, I think Jake you have a great point you know the Dolphins yes the- they need to they need to create better separation. I think they did that naturally by bringing in Waddle Fuller. Yes, to a ton of a low, it has to be more aggressive. I think, you know, you're seeing that throughout many camps. You're hearing about it throughout many camps. And now you just need to see them go out there, execute. I think the offense alone, you know, from a scheme perspective, you know, putting those players in situations where they can take those, those short passes and make plays out of them. So, Jake, I think, you know, for as many months as we sat here and talked about separation, 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 these receivers need to go out there and make plays because without doing that, the Dolphins offense isn't going to take that next step like many of us think. Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind, too, you know, if there isn't someone close to you when you catch a ball, that means there's going to be two people closer to you once you start moving, right? Doesn't that kind of make sense? That's zone defenses. That's what Jerome Baker does so well is making sure that guy doesn't get by you. He uses his defenders on the boundary well. They close down, and they kind of eat up those yards before the receiver can get there. So I think that's kind of a nice way to wrap this up here is the idea that, you know, if the coverage is tight, you beat that one guy, you beat that cornerback who is lunging to catch you or lunging to get the ball. I mean, it's a timing thing with Tua. We know that. And, and I think this is a good way to um, make excuses for the five interceptions. And I, I say that with some tongue in cheek because, um, you know, everyone wants to be on, you know, either we love them or hate them. Uh, but, but you know, it's, it's an interesting opportunity the Dolphins have here with these uh, – wide receivers and I don't really know if things are going to look completely different in terms of the playbook uh, as last year especially guys who uh, worked under Chan Gailey so I don't really know how much is going to change we did hear Miles Gaskin say things do seem a little different but uh, I think a few others have actually said the playbook uh, is relatively familiar uh, compared to last year. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about the receivers, but let's be honest, Mike Gesicki, you know, Smythe, Shaheen, Long, those guys also got to make plays. I mean, how many times do we see Mike Gesicki, you know, make an awesome catch, and, you know, the first guy that touched him, he just kind of fell over. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of the biggest gripe I have with Mike Gesicki. So, uh, you know, things are going to come together. I think we all have faith in that, but a great point, Jake, that the Dolphins need to absolutely be better with yards after the catch. Now that we talked about the first half of the podcast, Jake, let's jump into an ad, and we'll jump in to all the news on Xavier Howard. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Josh, I think this is something we might have to take an L on because I think we have been pretty casual about the whole Xavier and Howard situation. I am, haven't really hit the panic button yet. Um, I haven't been too worried. And I think you've been kind of in the same boat where we both believe this is you know, a lot better team with Howard. Uh, we don't completely know about the contract. I think it's been an interesting point that's brought up in terms of how the Dolphins can move on from him next year um if he you know suffers an injury whatever it may be you know we hope that doesn't happen we hope powers you know balling out in miami for the rest of his life here uh but the miami herald brought up some tough situations that the dolphins and howard are going to find themselves in and, and basically here i'll quote it and it says and it could get very much hotter before the regular season opener rise in september because uh barring a revolution the next step is a training camp holdout and the end game after that is likely to be howard requesting a trade sometime in august dot, 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 or the Dolphins making Howard available in a trade on their own. Now, I go back to what Brian Flores was saying because I think he opened the door more than we're used to in terms of not only talking about his players, but talking about his players and their contracts. Um, So you have to wonder where the value is going to go, right? You know, we we can say it till we're blue. We want Howard on the team. But hypothetically, if this is where it's going to go, Howard requesting a trade sometime in August, the Dolphins then, if that's the case, have roughly a month before maybe his trade value starts to diminish. Am I wrong with that? I mean, Jalen Ramsey still got the two first-round picks uh, in the trade for him. Obviously, supply and demand is a huge issue. You wonder who's going to want someone like Xavier and Howard. I still think it's too early to even break out trade partners. But if the Dolphins really think Howard's going to be requesting a trade sometime in August, that means in the way you know Chris Greer thinks, they're very forward-thinking, that means Howard's going to be gone in, in July before he can say anything, right? That That's kind of how that would shape out if this is the direction we're going to. Again, this is all rumors. I don't really see this confirmed anywhere else. Um, not saying it's wrong, but but I think it's just still early in the process. Yeah, man, and I think, you know, to your point, that's a, I mean, if, the closer we get to this season, you know, you're hearing that this guy wants a new contract, wants to get paid more. I mean, you can't trade X away and he's all of a sudden going to be okay with that contract. I mean, yes, we sat here and kind of said you can't bring in a Byron Jones and make him the highest paid player on the roster, but you can't tell me, you know, X doesn't want that guaranteed money that we discussed. So um, I definitely think, you know, time's ticking. And if you're waiting till August, I mean, unless a huge cornerback goes down with an injury or something like that, I mean, what exact compensation are you going to get for Xavier Howard? Um, I know the big thing over over the weekend and I want to give a shout out to the, to the real reason the, the underscore real underscore reason he brought up an interview from January where Xavier Howard was on the man-to-man podcast with Antoine Bethay and Darius Butler and he went out and said uh, basically he was implying that after the Dolphins drafted Noah Igbenogany and signed Byron Jones it was a slap in the face and then he went on to say each week with his play, he was going to make the Dolphins pay. So, again, this was from January. It was just brought up recently. But, um, I mean, right there, proof is in the pudding. I mean, Xavier Howard admitted he was not happy with, you know, them bringing in reassurance. And, you know, again, you cannot be happy that you don't have those guarantees after this year and that you're not even the highest paid guy on your team after the 10 interception performance that you just had, regardless of whether or not that would have happened with Byron Jones on the roster. 
we've talked about it before that the the top tier athletes, the, the best of the best, you know, and I'm not going to talk for them, but there's always seems to be that alternative form of uh, motivation that maybe it's even reading too much into a situation. Uh, I think Michael Jordan is a perfect example of that if you've seen The Last Dance, anyone that had the slightest bit of doubt in him is literally the worst thing in the world. You know, he, he's going to turn that into this huge thing and, and manifest it to play better. And, and that's really sounds like what Xavier Howard did, but I think he has a legitimate reason. You know, um, you get what the Dolphins are doing in terms of the team building sense, but the thing is, these are real people. So you have to kind of keep in mind how these transitions are going to make someone like Xavier Howard feel. And making them pay doesn't necessarily mean in a threat. I mean, I think this guy should be paid the, the little bit more that he is needed to be that guy in terms of being the, you know, the top cornerback in the league. The Dolphins and Howard aren't arguing about a huge lump sum of money here. If, if that's all it is in terms of making him the highest paid, you know, the Dolphins could be trying to sit on the hill of, you know, you signed this contract. We want you to play through this contract. That's the fair thing to do. And if not, you know, we'll find a trade partner. But at the same time, I mean, this defense is a whole nother animal, and it kind of goes both ways where Howard played on his rookie deal for five years, and, and yet that's the way things are. But, you know, you grind those years, and then, you know, you get a pay raise that's six or seven times higher, if not more. And it's that give and take, right? That's kind of how you earn your dues, and Howard's done more than enough to prove that, that he's worth the money, even though we could, again, yes, I understand giving the argument of he signed his contract, you need to stick with your contract, yada, yada, but, you know. Go get your money. Yeah, and a lot of the argument I continue to see is, you know, what about those seasons where, you know, he only played five games in 2019, 12 games in 2018, seven in 2016. I mean, like you said, that is the reason he wants those guaranteed money, but that is also the reason why if you're the Miami Dolphins, you know, you might be a little bit hesitant. I, I mentioned it. People continue to ask, you know, would you trade Xavier Howard? What would you do in this situation? And Jake, you know, I continue to say last year, I would have been glad to trade him if that meant getting to a ton of low, because I believe that Tua was that good of a quarterback. And I still do. But, you know, what we saw this year from Xavier Howard, I would hate to see him go and don't know that the compensation is going to be there. So right now I'm in the pay, pay X-Man. I keep calling him X-Man because uh, I think X-Man's funny. So I'm right now I'm in the pay X-Man situation hashtag. But, uh, you know, that could change, <laughs> could change by the day. And I think there's no way Howard gets traded and, and the Dolphins' uh, fan base is happy, right? Because you're instantly looking at that Jalen Ramsey trade for two first-round picks, and it's instantly going to be compared to that. But it's also so important to keep in mind different suitors, the supply and demand here. Um, can anyone really afford to pay that much for a top-tier uh you know, cornerback, the bidding might not just go that high. You know, that that could just be how it is, especially when you take into fact, um, you know, that contract is going to be an issue. On top of that, I mean, you're looking at draft capital. I, I don't know really how they're going to, how a player for player trade would really happen here. So it'd be a really dull scenario when you think about how exciting the Dolphins are looking for, looking, you know, this year, especially with Howard as one of the cornerstones of that defense. I mean, there's no way anybody's happy uh, if a trade of Howard goes down. And that could kind of be what the Dolphins are doing now. They could make, be making him available in trade talks and, and, you know, weighing the pros and cons. Is it better to get a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick uh, for someone like Xavier Howard, or is it better to pay him that extra 2 or $3 million and, and suck it up and, and just make everyone happy? That could be what this next month is really all about before um, Howard starts missing time in training camp. Yeah, and I mean, as cliche as it sounds, maybe it's not even something we have to talk about, but let's not pretend like Noah Igbenogany's emergence and what Byron Jones does in camp, you know, Trill Williams and these things, you know, if a Noah Igbenogany you know, shows a little bit of what, you know, the Dolphins thought he could be, maybe then they think Xavier Howard's expendable. Another thing we didn't even talk about, 
the Dolphins aren't really, you know, forced to make a move now. You know, just because Xavier Howard's unhappy doesn't mean that, you know, maybe he sits out the whole year. I mean, the Dolphins have, again, most of, if not all of the leverage here. And I think, you know, we should just wait and let it play out. But Jake, you know, you're right. They're not going to get those two first, in my opinion. If they do, I mean, we'd be over the moon excited. But I mean, an Xavier Howard trade would have to fetch a, a pretty good deal. And I just don't know that it would. And again, if they're trading him in August, there's not going to be that many suitors to begin with. Yeah, and I... I kind of disagree with you a little bit that the Dolphins don't have any time because it's kind of what this Herald article implies is that they're trying to figure out the value of a Howard trade. Um, the Dolphins, uh, like it said, it w- might be making Howard available in a trade on their own. So, I mean, if Howard starts sitting out and then you're trading him two, three weeks into the season, now it, you're going to get so much more less because now you have a team that's desperate trading for an injury-prone guy who also, you know, still needs that new contract, and he might not play if unless he gets that contract. So I think the Dolphins are might be trying to figure out here when the peak value is going to start to diminish because I think we've said it uh, a couple times this offseason that despite not wanting to trade Howard, uh, to be real, this is the best time to trade him. I don't think he's going to have another 10 interception uh you know season and who knows he might clip that and, and you know throw it in my face in a year that's how these athletes work i mean i'd be a huge fan of that it just isn't very likely uh so it, it's a tough situation i don't think i'd care how well igbenogany or anybody really played if it meant moving howard because you know like you kind of said once once you're in the regular season it's it's a whole different animal yeah, and to your point, you said, you know, his trade value might never be higher than it is now. But let's be honest, this was almost like Dogecoin or Bitcoin. You know, Xavier Howard, a, a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, you know, his value was at an all-time high before you started to hear rumblings that he didn't want this contract. So, you know, if the Dolphins truly wanted to make a trade, maybe that window is, uh, you know, closed to get the maximum value. But I do think, you know, Xavier Howard, like you said, is, I mean, arguably the best player on this roster. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because the, the guy isn't even 28 years old yet. I mean, he can go to a contender and, you know, completely make them Super Bowl contender. Who was the last player to hold out for the Dolphins? I know Brandon Marshall requested a trade, but but I can't think of the last holdout. Uh, Tannehill. When was Land- I was going to say Landry. Team? Was Landry? I mean. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it was Landry. That, and then they banished him to the Browns. So, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because we're not used to really having these star-studded players. Thanks, Chris Greer, for finally putting some good drafts together. Uh, but it's going to make this next month a little more interesting where we're going to have news a little more often than we should expect. Every team in the NFL is going to report to camp in on July 29th, a couple preseason games, season starts first week of September, and we're going to have all the information you guys could ever ask for, and then some, including, hey, Albert Wilson's healthy, go read that article on uh, the Finsider. So hit that subscribe button if you enjoy what you're listening to. Continue this ride with us uh, as a community because I think that's why we all follow football is so we can sit here, uh, whether it's into a microphone or at the bar and yell about this team because we live and die by them every single Sunday. Um, and, it, and if you have a couple seconds and you want to leave a review, that stuff really, uh, like I said before, put some pep in our step. It's a nice little confidence boost and we greatly, greatly appreciate it as it helps others find the show. Josh mentioned it at the top. You can find him on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z or Houts. And I can be found at J-M-E-N-D-E-L 94. Here I am. think I'm going to mess with my Twitter again, but I think we are safe on that one. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Listeners, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, It's a weird time. There's a couple unknowns as we head into training camp, but Josh, we got stuff to talk about, and the season will be here before we know it.
It really is. And guys, enjoy this little bit of a vacation. Hopefully we get this podcast out before Xavier Howard gets traded or a new contract <laughs> signed because, you know, wouldn't that just be Dude, so Insider Radio? But like Jake said, like Jake said, thank you guys so much for listening to the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's The Finsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. We're still publishing this if Xavier Howard is traded. Sorry, not sorry. Fins up. That Fins was up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins